Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 146, in which I didn't have PDSI, and I'm recording this on Tuesday, February 18th, 2014, and I am taking a page from Nitty AJ book, AJ's book um, and recording this on my cell phone because <laughs> I've had a sequence of events that are all fairly strange. Um, and because of some ongoing computer issues that my computer center was trying to fix, we ended up doing all this different stuff with profiles. And in the process, apparently my podcast software is no more. I mean, it's not even just, it's just gone. And it's an older software and it's not really supported anymore. So I've decided I'm going to probably be looking for a new software. And no, I used Audacity for five years and really got tired of it. So unless I'm forced to, I'm not going to go back and use that again. Uh, so what that means is this episode, you're getting kind of raw, I guess. Maybe I would call it unplugged, but I'm still using stuff that's plugged in, except my cell phone. Um, it does mean I'm not sure I'm going to be able to put my usual theme music on this, my usual intro, all of that kind of stuff. So welcome to Quilting for the Rest of Us, the podcast. If you're listening to this for the very first time, it's usually a whole lot more polished than this. And hopefully by the next time I post, I will have solved all of these problems. But I did decide today, since I'm already a few days overdue for when I would have actually uh, 10 days <laughs> overdue for my usual schedule of posting, um, if I waited until I solved all this, you wouldn't hear from me for another month. So I'm going to go ahead and do what I can this way. Um, let's start out. I've got a couple of announcements. Then I've got some Sandy update and then um, a little bit of content. Oh, now that it comes to it, if I can find it. <laughs> We also had to move some files around when we changed profiles, etc. So I've got to, I'll have to pause the recording of this when I get to that point and pull up the information I wanted to share with you. Um, my plan is to talk about your all 2014 quilty resolutions as you responded to the uh, spreadsheet or the questions that I posted for your 2014 quilty resolutions. I detected a few themes that I really wanted to talk about today. And then we'll do some listener feedback. So that's the plan. Let's see if me and my phone are both up to it. The first thing for announcements that I have the joy of announcing is that, yes, indeed, I did draw the two winners for the 2014 Quilty Resolutions drawing giveaway. And the first one is Sarah A. of Sarah's Gift and Ship. Congratulations, you won the fabric. So the fat quarters, I will be in touch with you um, because I also no longer have anybody's addresses. If I ever emailed you a giveaway winning in the past, I probably had your address. Um, I no longer have addresses. I also no longer have a lot of email addresses. Fortunately, only for my personal life, my work life was maintained. In any case, Sarah of Sarah's Gift and Ship, I will be in touch with you um, to get your mailing address. The second winner is Allison G, Animated Librarian, and you won, Allison, the gift certificate for six months of the quilt show. For you, I only know, need your email address, which I do already have on the spreadsheet, um, so we're good to go on that. I will be emailing you your quilt show certificate. I hope you enjoy that. I have actually started watching the quilt show again. I had not watched it. I've been a member since the charter days. I was one of the very first people to sign up for the quilt show, uh, but because it was easier to watch on my computer than eventually on my iPad, and I'm already at my computer all day, 
and I don't like to just sit and watch my computer. I like to be doing other things. So I, for all sorts of reasons, I just had kind of stopped watching it as often. But now with my new sewing room setup, I am able to turn one of my monitors around from my computer desk and set it up on my cutting table, on the side of my cutting table, very safely. Don't worry, nothing's about to tip over or take up too much room or whatever. So that means I can watch the quilt show while I'm standing at my cutting table. So I've now seen several episodes <laughs> since I changed my sewing room around. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, congratulations to Sarah and Allison. Um, and thank you to everybody who participated. And like I said, if I can manage to dig up that spreadsheet, we'll be talking a little bit more about that later. Now, if you recall in, I guess it was two episodes ago, because in while I was out of town, I was able to post one of my fun interviews with Jay. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, the episode before that, I talked about a new thing I'm going to be doing in 2014. Once a month, I'm going to be sharing in light of the theme of my podcast, um, 12 mistakes that I have made that you can learn from. And so this month, the mistake I'm going to share that I hope you learn from is I have made the mistake of trying a new technique when I'm really just trying to get something done. Um, you may recall my stories of the snake bit baby quilt. <laughs> in which um, I was doing some a baby quilt and I was trying out a few new, new techniques. I was using it as my excuse to learn some new techniques and it just did not go well. Pretty much everything that could go wrong did and I was under a deadline with that quilt because I the baby was actually born before I even had it finished and I was really trying to get it out the door, which is way the wrong time to try a new technique. Um, it's great to use something like a donation gift or a small project like a baby quilt in order to learn a new technique. It's probably not the best idea to do it when you're under a deadline. Um, so I have tried to make a vow to myself uh, whether or not I will always keep this, but if I'm under a deadline and want to get something done quickly, don't take, don't use that as an opportunity to try a new technique. Just do it the way I'm used to doing it and do it to get it out the door and lessen my stress considerably. I believe I talked about snake bit baby quilt in an episode a while back, so I'm not going to go into that um, now. But again, learn from me. Cut yourself some slack. Don't try to get fancy when you're under a deadline. Just, just get her done. Just get her done. Learn the new techniques at some other time when the stakes are a lot lower. Uh, so that's my mistake you can learn from this month. Um, I have no end of mistakes that, <laughs> that other people can learn from. I could probably go several years into doing monthly mistakes. Um, Sandy update. Yes, indeed, I was on vacation. As you may recall, if you if this is anything other than your very first episode, my husband and I went to Savannah, Georgia um, two weeks ago now. I've had a, a week home since we went. And um, we, we chose Savannah because all I was looking for was sun. I did not necessarily need warm temperatures. And my husband and I are not tropical kind of people. We don't really do heat well. So for us, going somewhere where it's sunny, but 50s or 60 degrees is like ideal for us. Um, and for the most part, the temperature was in the 50s and 60s. We got there like three days after they had their major ice storm. Um, did not see any signs of it except 
in the crook of a branch of one tree in one park. There was still some ice left, but we didn't see anything anywhere else. Um, it was kind of rainy, though. I didn't get quite as much sun as I had hoped. It was very foggy, very rainy, quite a bit of the time we were there. But actually in Savannah, that kind of works because that's a city that that really looks good spooky. <laughs> it really looks good when it is just covered in fog. It's a great atmospheric city. Um, so we really enjoyed that. It is a very, very pretty area. Um, I would highly recommend Savannah for a vacation if you've not had a chance to go there. Um, very historical. It's easy to walk around if you're in that historical area. Everything's laid out on a grid, so it's easy to get your bearings and figure out where you need to go. Um, you know, by the second day we were there, we had ditched all any map that we had on our phone or whatever because you already have a sense of how things connect. Um, we didn't really get out of the historical area too much. We did take one tour that took us on a drive around several of the neighborhoods, and we got a little bit out of that main historic district um, on that tour, but we didn't get out into the suburbs or anything. So there's quite a bit of Savannah, I'm sure, looks like any other suburb anywhere else. But the downtown of um, Savannah, where it is very historical and it's all laid out on a grid and there are um, squares, parks with trees everywhere you go. And a lot of the, the tree, a lot of the streets are tree lined or have medians down the center with trees. So it's a very green um, town, which we loved. Great restaurants. Um, I I don't think we had a bad meal when we were there. We had some meals that, you know, on the grand scheme of things, weren't as good as others, but that really we mostly enjoyed every meal we had, uh, lunch and dinner. We ate breakfast in the inn where we were staying. Um, one tip, take a taxi if you can't walk. Um, there are There's really no parking other than street parking at any of the restaurants. And of course, street parking fills up pretty fast. Um, the the one night, most of the time we walked everywhere because the inn that we stayed at was right down in the historical district. Uh, but we did go to dinner one night um, at a restaurant that was a little bit too far to walk and it was pouring rain. And since it was a very nice restaurant, we figured they would probably have valet parking because everywhere we've gone, nice restaurants have valet parking. Well, this place had none. It had no parking lot. It had only street parking. And even at that, it was minimal. Um, so after looping around the block two or three times, my husband finally dropped me off, although he dropped me off in the wrong place. We thought there was a, a side door into the restaurant and there wasn't. So I ended up walking around half a block in the pouring rain myself. And then he ended up parking about three blocks away and having to walk in the pouring rain to get to the restaurant. So needless to say, by the time we sat down at our table, neither of us was in a great mood, but fortunately it was a fantastic meal and the wait staff, but that was... Elizabeth on 37th, I believe was the name of the restaurant. It's sort of one of the grand dames of restaurants in Savannah, and it was a fantastic dinner. I even had seafood, and I'm always a little iffy about seafood, but I always figure if I'm going to like it, it's going to be in a nicer restaurant, and I loved it. It was very, very good. Um, so I can recommend that restaurant quite highly. Uh, so that's my tip, is don't rely <laughs> on being able to find parking anywhere. Um, if you can't walk, I would highly recommend taking a taxi. And taxis are not prevalent. I think you have to call them. They don't just tend to hang out in places. Um, so that can be a little bit of a tricky thing about Savannah. But, other than, you know, again, we walked everywhere. It was wonderful. Um, we spent a day in Charleston. 
And I don't know that I feel the need to go back to Charleston. It was more of kind of a normal city and the stuff that it, there was some historical areas and we did go into the museum and we did walk along the, the waterfront. Um, and that was all very nice. Uh, but in terms of what else had to offer, we had originally talked about splitting our week between Savannah and Charleston. And we were thrilled we had decided to just stay in Savannah because Savannah had a lot more that we liked to do. Um, and we'd like to just walk and look, and there was a lot more of a possibility for that in Savannah than Charleston. Um, now, I'm sure people are going to email me and say, oh, you should have gone to this, that, and the other thing, and, and that's true, but we, we really enjoyed um, the time we spent. We enjoyed spending a day in Charleston, um, and the drive up and back was nice, uh, but we, we really very much preferred Savannah between the two. And we did spend a day out on Hilton Head. Um, it was pretty rainy and foggy the day <laughs> that we were there, but I got some of my best pictures of the week, I think, were um, when we were walking on the beach in Hilton Head, and it was so foggy and just gorgeous. Again, because I'm not a beach person. You know, I, I enjoy a tropical beach. We've been to Hawaii. I've been to, to Puerto Rico for work a couple times and certainly have enjoyed being on the beach in those areas. Um, but... Man, I was digging it at Hilton Head where it was so foggy and rainy. And there was, and because of that, there was like nobody on the beach. So we'd kind of get swallowed up by the fog. Oh, man, I just absolutely loved that. That was the highlight for me of the week was that walk on the beach in Hilton Head. Um, and I do have posters up in Flickr. Uh, posters. <laughs> I do have photos up in Flickr. Um, so you will be able to see it there. Um I did visit a couple of fabric shops while I was there. There are two right in the historic district of Savannah. One is called Fabrica, or Fabrica, I imagine Fabrica, only it's spelled with a K, so it's F-A-B-R-I-K-A. -A. Uh, for AJ, since you live fairly close to the area, it's on East Liberty Street, right downtown, kind of near, um, oh, what was that, a Hilton, a Hyatt? There's a, a Hilton, I think it's a Hilton right on East Liberty Street. And if I remember, Fabrica is like directly across the street from it. Um, and right next to Fabrica in the, the adjoining um, brownstone or whatever they're called in Savannah, uh, kind of a townhouse style brick shop, um, is a place called Wild, Wild Fibers, which is a yarn shop. And I did go into that. No, not a knitter, not gonna be. But I wanted to see... I, I guess I am too used to quilt shops where often you can buy bags of scraps. I keep going into yarn shops hoping I can find just bags of shortcuts of yarn to use for embellishment. You know, I don't need a whole skein of yarn that to use for an embellishment on a quilt. I want a piece that's maybe 18 inches long. So give me a bag of 18 inch pieces of your most interesting yarns in your shop and I will be happy as a clam. And I would probably spend a lot more money for that little bag of scrap um, yarns if they're really interesting, unique yarns than I would for a skein. You know, so <laughs> can, can we go there, please, yarn shop owners? Anyway, um, I, I've yet to find that in a yarn shop. Um, both of those shops were very, very small with very limited um, inventory. And 
I, you know, my guess is that's because they're probably paying a significant amount of money just for that location, but I kind of was wishing that they would make better use <laughs> of the space that they had. There was kind of a lot of empty space in this very small shop, and they had a small inventory. I, I was a little disappointed in that. Um, Fabrica is not a quilt shop. It's a fabric shop for all purposes, so... They had one fairly small wall display of what I would call kind of traditional quilters fabrics, very modern modern in t flavor, um, but you know, the 100% designer cottons that you see in, like I said, more modern quilts. Um, and then they had uh, the, um, oh, what's it called? The, the vinyl covered fabric, you know, that you use for tote bags and raincoats and stuff like that. They had a, a kind of several uh, bolts on a wall of that. They had, another wall that had bolts of other types of upholstery fabrics, and then they had one small room off to the side that had some garment fabrics, and and very little in the way of um, embellishment-type things either, and a very small wall of notions. Um, so I, I didn't end up buying anything in Fabrica, because, and I usually try to buy something, not for the sake of consumerism, but if I'm the only customer in the store and there's this poor shopkeeper that's sitting there probably pretty bored from not having too many people walk in during the day I want to make it worth their while that I happen to be there <laughs> so I try to even if it's just something small I try to find something I could find nothing at Fabrica now that being said I'm not a garment sewer um, I only do quilting I am willing to buy garment type uh, it's some of the what I call weird fabrics <laughs> that I use in my art quilts um, that might be, you know, different types and not 100% cotton, but I'm not likely to buy them by the yard. I am, again, fat quarters of them or remnants are great. I love that kind of thing. Fabrica didn't have any of that. Um, it was a very pretty shop. It had a nice vibe to it. And there was, after I'd been there just a couple of minutes, um, it looked like maybe a mother and daughter. I couldn't quite judge the ages, and I wasn't, like, staring them down. I glanced at them out of the corner of my eye as they came in and then turned around. Um, so I'm not entirely clear. It was two women, one older, one younger. They came in, and, and they seemed to be finding something that they really needed. So, you know, again, this was just my impression as a quilter going into that shop. Um, it was not something I would make a big uh, trip out of my way to go to. However, there are some great lunch spots and wonderful places to walk. So, um, AJ, if you've got a Saturday and you want to go into Savannah and just wander around and happen to go by Fabrica, do it. I, I just wouldn't make a special trip for it. Wild Fibers, I had the same concern, is here you are in a fairly um, expensive place. You would think you would carry more of an inventory to sell more product. Um, and, and with a name like Wild Fibers, I was expecting a lot more art-type yarns. Um, even by the skein, I was expecting a lot more art-type yarns. Um, in their shop, they had the whole back section, which was the largest room, was all what looked to me fairly standard yarns in a variety of colors. They had a nice variety of colors. But there was nothing to me that looked particularly exciting. It all seemed fairly utilitarian. Now, I don't know much about yarn. It might have been the best yarn in the world. Maybe it was some wonderful designer yarn you can only get in certain places. Um, but it just, it, it did not, it was not particularly interesting yarn to me from an art 
yarn perspective. They did have one small display that had more of what I would consider an art yarn, um, different types of textures, different types of color combinations, um, different types of fibers made into yarn. Uh, but again, there wasn't anything there that really enticed me to pay for a whole skein of something. Um, if Again, if they had had bags of snippets, I would have been all over it. The only thing that I did um, sort of debate briefly is they did have a wall of uh, several options. They had a pretty good display of this, of various rovings that you could then spin or dye as roving and use for needle felting. I believe most of the other stuff around the display seemed to be geared towards needle felting. So I think that's what they thought you would be using these rovings for. For me, of course, with my experimenting in spinning, I was looking at them as potentials for spinning. Um, but I didn't know, I don't know enough about rovings yet to even know, you know, I, I recognize some types of roving names, but not others. And I also don't know anything really about prices. I, I kind of know what I spent at the Fiber Festival, but I don't know enough about them to compare prices to know were these good prices, were these exorbitantly expensive. So I, I chose not to buy anything while I was there. Um, so both Fabrica and Wild, I only spent maybe five minutes in each. Measure, measure. A fabric parlor is the full name of the other fabric shop and that's not too far away it's maybe two three blocks away from Fabrica it's off a side street and I don't remember the side street name now um, but it's on a side street off of East Liberty I think it started with a W um, that they did they had a much better use of space I would say it was a smaller store than Fabrica by square foot um, but it seemed to have more in it now, maybe that was just because it was smaller and so they had all their walls packed and everything. Um, it was still it was still not a quilt shop. It was definitely garment sewing because you're you're fairly close to a garment district um, in Savannah, garment making district. So she had a lot of garment um, thing, but she did have scrap bins, which were pretty cool. I didn't end up buying any because she was charging 25 cents a scrap, <laughs> which seemed to me like man, that's going to add up fast. And I am too used to quilt shops that sell scraps like that. It tends to be by the pound or by the bag or, you know, some sort of bulk price. So I didn't end up buying any scraps, although I did paw through some of them to see if there was anything of particular interest. Um, but she had a ton of notions and I ended up buying, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I joked to my husband as I walked out in my best Charlie Brown voice, I went to two fabric shops in Savannah and all I got was a grommet. <laughs> so I bought myself a grommet maker. Um, Daisy would be proud of me because it was a bigger, a larger grommet maker than the one I already owned, which was made more for scrapbooking and paper. So it's a very small little thing. Um, this one is actually one where you've got the thing that you have to pound with a hammer into the base um, in order to set the grommet. It wasn't the biggest grommet maker, but it, it's larger, and I think it'll let me do a couple of things I've had in my head that I've wanted to do. Um, so that was my my one quilt-related sort of um, present to myself uh, out of those visits was the grommet maker. All I got was a grommet. Um, <laughs> so then we got home that week, Friday night, and I had intended to put together a podcast that weekend. But we ended up going out to dinner at a friend's house um, Saturday and then to my in-law's house on Sunday and just with trying to unpack and get laundry done. It just it didn't happen. Um, and then I was out pretty much every night that week. So that's why I ended up being a week delayed in putting out a podcast. And then I intended 
to do one this past weekend um, over President's Day sew-in weekend uh, because we didn't have anything scheduled on Saturday. I did have something scheduled on Sunday, but I thought I would get home earlier in the day than I did end up getting home. Um, and then, but I, I had Monday off, so I thought I had all day Monday. I had a doctor's appointment in there, just a you know general annual kind of thing. Um, but I figured I'd had the rest of the day. Well, it, it the weekend sort of got away from me a little bit, but also I had to make some conscious decisions about energy levels. Um, Saturday, I did get some work done on Scrapitude, uh, which was good. You know, Saturday was kind of a normal Saturday, but then um, Sunday. Uh, I was out at my preaching at my sister's church, and then she invited me for lunch after um, her uh, after her church. And um, that she lives about an hour and a half away, so it was a three-hour round trip plus um, Sunday morning preaching plus having lunch with um, her and her friend. And um, by the time we got home at four o'clock, I, I was just beat. I was done. <laughs> I just wanted to curl up on the couch and watch the Olympics. So that's pretty much what I did. Um, I did end up doing a little bit of sewing later that night, but really just was not up to working. I, I sewed more on Scrapitude, but wasn't up to doing much. So I didn't get a lot of progress. And then unfortunately, Monday, which was going to be really my get or done day, um, I got a call first thing in the morning. Um, I, I've tweeted about this, so some of you know what was going on. Uh, my guild president, um, who's a friend, not a close friend, but, you know, I've spent some time with her over the years at retreats and such. Uh, her husband unexpectedly ended up um, in the hospital last week and then in hospice over the weekend. Um, and I got a call from her Monday morning uh, asking me, preparing for the funeral for her husband. And she asked me to do the service if I would which, of course, I agreed to immediately. And then we talked for a bit and, and you know, she was understandably um, kind of beside herself at that point. And it was a very sad, um, touching conversation. And it wiped me out really for the rest of the day and worrying about her and worrying about her family situation and and how things are going to go from here. Um, and, and just then a sequence of other things that happened through the morning um, kind of added on to that. So I just, I was not in the zone for production, for quilting. And, you know, one thing I've learned is just to listen to that, because if I had tried to sit down and force myself to blast through scrapitude all day, you know, yes, would it have been fabric therapy, maybe at some level, but at probably more likely, I would have just... Um, gotten frustrated and made stupid mistakes. So I needed to just listen to myself. And so I ended up just um, not going into my sewing room, actually, until the evening. Um, I was more in a place to do it. I did some writing. I did some reading. I got in a really good workout at the gym, which really did help. Um, exercise really helps. And so by the evening, then I did sit down and make some more progress on Scrapitude. But I really did not make the progress that I thought I would. Um, I did get my dye studio put back together. That was one of the things I'd wanted to get done this weekend. Unfortunately, I did that kind of first thing Saturday, so I did get that done. Um, still needs a little bit of cleaning up and reorganizing. I really need another set of shelves in there, but it's at least usable at this point. Um, I did not finish the put the finishing touches on my uh, cutting table. And like I said, I didn't really get scrapitude done. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I did have a, a good
good weekend. I did have a restorative weekend. I had a lot of really nice, fulfilling things happen. Um, and I'm just sad for Pam. Uh, the update on that is I did receive word earlier today. Her husband did pass away last night and, uh, the service is going to be later this week. So I'm going to be spending a little bit of time with her family tomorrow. Um, and then calling hours Thursday night and then the service on Friday. So, um, I'm not likely to be getting a whole lot more sewing done this week either, because now I'm preparing for a funeral service. Um, but I'm really glad I'm able to do that for her, um, that's that's going to be a meaningful thing, I think. Um, so back to quilting talk. Yes, I still have scrapitude all over my cutting table. And although I've thought about, you know, cutting myself uh, some slack, because as I've talked about on this podcast before, I don't do big quilts. So for me to sit down and have to do 25 of the same thing over and over again is not always my favorite thing to do. Now, I do like the scrapitude block. I love the scrapitude set. And I really like the way mine is turning out. Um, so it's nothing against scrapitude. It's just that I don't do 25 of the same thing over and over and over again in a row. Uh, so I'm, I'm having to kind of, every time I decide I'm going to do scrapitude, I have to kind of mentally get myself to sit down at my sewing machine and do it. Um, but I also do want to just kind of get it done because it is taking over so much of my cutting table and my sewing sewing machine table and everything. I just, I just want it pieced together so it's all in one place and out of the way and then I can, you know, move on. Um, so I, I am working on it. And as I do have time this week, I am going to be trying to finish it up. And I, I still do have hope that by the end of the week or at least the end of next weekend, I will have the top completely pieced. Um, it's not hard sewing by any means. I am losing some points <laughs> here and there. And I, I'm trying to assess why I'm losing points because I haven't lost points on other projects lately. And I think it's the June Taylor ruler. Um, it, it's, oh, I don't remember what it's called. And actually I have a very, very old version of it that I inherited from my mother and it's got a new name now, but it's the one with the slots cut in it so that you lay it over your fabric and then just run your, um, your rotary cutter up through the slots and it makes it easier to cut things, you know, an equal number of cuts. I'm not explaining this well, I'm sorry, but I primarily use it to cut two and a half inch squares off of two and a half inch strips. I just lay the two and a half inch strip down, I line it up along the bottom of the ruler and then chunk, 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 you cut all your two and a half inch squares off of the strip. It's very, very fast. I don't think it's accurate. Um, this is just my opinion. <laughs> after using it. When I'm looking at what units were kind of consistently not the size I thought they should be as I'm sewing everything together, and I had squared a lot of stuff up, but I hadn't squared up my four patches because, you know, I kind of assumed, which you shouldn't, that, okay, these are all going to be, you know, I'm using exactly all the same squares and I'm doing all this in my seams, or I always measure my, check my seams, and my seams are always exactly um, I think I'm doing a scant quarter inch on this, and it's the same scant all the way through. So I didn't bother to square up that one unit, and I think it's that one unit that's throwing everything off. And I think it's because that two, that um, June Taylor ruler is not accurate. Um, but don't quote me on that. I could just be messing up myself. I do know I'm having the classic, I had the same problem with Easy Street, where I didn't always have count exactly the right number of units for every piece. So as I'm laying out my, you know, my blocks and then my setting triangles and my corner triangles, 
I'm finding, oh, I'm one off here, or, oh, I'm a couple off there. And I do know one thing I did, apparently, and it took me a minute to figure this out, is when you do your final set with the sashing and everything, you need all those two and a half inch squares for the cornerstones. Well, the original cutting instructions would cover it. I got to doing my cornerstones and I was out of two and a half inch squares. I'm like, what happened to my two and a half inch squares? I know I had counted them like five times because I had, when I was first doing the cutting, and it, it, what I think now I did was I cleaned up after myself and I stuck them back in the two and a half inch square uh, bin that I have in my scrap basket. So I had to go back through and find, you know, another 24 or whatever it was, two and a half inch squares. I was like, you're kidding me. I cleaned up after myself too soon, apparently. Um, so I did have to sew one extra four patch, I think, because um, somewhere along the way one decided to go on an adventure. And um, I think I ended up with like one extra of the party hat units, which you'd have to go back on my blog to understand which that one is, um, randomly had an extra. And, and it is because as I was going, you know, I would think, oh, I'm going to have to count this. And I'd count things like three different times, and get three different counts. And again, this is, I don't do big quilts that often. So, so you get me much above 10 pieces. And I'm just a goner. I'm lost. So, you know, there's been a little bit of that here and there. Um, again, none of it is Charlotte's quilt. When I go back and I do the math and I count everything up, it, it, it's exactly the right number. It's just that somewhere along the way, I have, I don't know, stopped counting right. <laughs> and I had exactly the same thing happen with Easy Street that I miscounted and had to do one or two extra things at the end. Um, it just happens. I don't like big quilts. <laughs> and and I've got another one coming up right fast because I've already told Charlotte I'm going to do her next mystery quilt early so that I can have everything worked out ahead of time. So now, note to self, count carefully. That's what I've learned. Here's another mistake of Sandy's that you can learn from. Count everything three or four times. And I was so organized about this one. But again, I cleaned up after myself. And I had so many projects going at once that I think units just ended up in the wrong project box and that kind of thing. And normally I am so organized about that kind of thing. So that that I kind of worked my own very last nerve on. Um, Stupendous stitching I am still working on. I'm about halfway done. I had to bring in an expert for a consult. I had to, I emailed um, Nitty AJ because she has also done the stupendous stitching class, although bless her soul, she got hers done. Um, and I think we started them at about the same time. Uh, she got hers done, oh, last spring, I think it was, maybe AJ. Um, so I emailed her about something on mine that I was sort of questioning, not how to do it, but I had, I had used um, some materials that I was kind of wondering if it looked right um, at the end. And since she kind of had a sense of what what we're kind of shooting for here in the grand scheme of things, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to run this by her. Um, and she gave me some very good advice, which was mostly, get over yourself, Sandy. <laughs> Only she said it in her much more nice way. Um, and I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised she's being nice to me right now, given how much crud I've given her. <laughs> couple of months. I'm sorry, AJ. But thank you so much for the consult. Um, she she did offer me some good advice, and I am now prepared to move on as soon as I get scrapitude done. 
Um, and Crassy classes, I'm making great progress. I've uh, posted two more reviews, two more finishes on my blog. Spindling is now officially done, and the photography class is now officially done, although both of those are classes that are never really done. You kind of just keep going back to them for reference, but I'm calling them done. Um, and I am about halfway through a class called Complete Knife Skills, which I am just loving. The teacher is fantastic. Uh, so... Um, I did put a link to it on my blog sometime recently, but I'm not going to do the full review until I'm actually done with it, which I'm hoping might be in the next couple of weeks. Um, again, because of everything else going on, I've had a bit of a pause in my ability to keep watching those videos, um, but I don't have much further to go in it, I don't think, so I should be done with that fairly soon. All right, I'm going to pause this for a second while I um, dig up the spreadsheet for the 2014 Quilty Resolutions themes. Okay, for those of you who may not have been listening way back when, when I launched the 2014 Quilty Resolutions giveaway, and um, not really a challenge, but an invitation, I guess I'll say it, uh, which was back in December, I think is when I actually posted the episode explaining the Quilty Resolutions, but this year... Um, my theme was quilted monkeys to get off our back, things that we just really felt like we needed to get off our back in order to be able to move on. And I invited um, people to share with me three quilted monkeys they wanted to get off their back in 2014. Um, and guilt was a big theme. A lot of people feeling guilty about a whole lot of stuff. But it is true, I may have skewed that a little bit with the way I talked about quilted monkeys. It didn't necessarily have to be something that you felt guilty about, but um, it certainly could be. And so a lot of people shared things that they kind of feel guilty about that they want to get over that guilt. Um, one big thing that I heard over and over again was guilt over the size of our stash. Um, I don't know what the size of your stash is. If you have fabrics in bins in the garage that you don't even know what's in there, then yeah, maybe you should address that. <laughs> you know, how much fabric can we actually really use in our lives? And might it be more to the point to, to send some fabric to um, people or organizations that will actually use it? Um, and be able to use it for good causes, you know, for charitable causes or donation quilts, that kind of thing. So um, I would say stop feeling guilty, but let your guilt tell you maybe you should do something about it. Um, I don't feel guilty about the size of my stash. I've talked about that before, but I'm also very careful not to expand beyond the one set of shelves that I can lay eyes on while I am standing in my sewing room. I do not have anything in any other rooms. Um, and it is because out of sight, out of mind. So, and I also don't put my fabric in bins. Um, I know that I do have a risk, of course, of fabric fading, but it's not in direct sunlight. Um, and frankly, if fabric is on my shelf long enough to fade, that probably means I should have used it before that anyway. But I know me, if something is sitting in a closed bin, an opaque bin, even if I've labeled the heck out of it, I'm going to forget I have it. I'm somebody that kind of needs to be able to lay eyes on things. Uh, so I do have my fabric visibly in front of me in my um, sewing room. And it's a decent sized stash. It's big enough that I can make a quilt out of it. Even, yes, scrapitude size, queen sized quilt, just using fabric in my stash if the mood should so strike me. Um, and in fact, I haven't really bought fabric in several months other than um, stuff for giveaways. I have bought fat quarters for giveaways and backing fabric 
maybe some border fabric. I might have had to buy some border fabric, but for the most part, I've been working off my stash, and that's comfortable for me. So if you're feeling guilt over your stash, assess what's making you feel guilty, and then do something about it. It's not productive to sit around and lash ourselves with a wet noodle or wet fat quarter. <laughs> it's productive if we say, I'm feeling a little guilty about this. Let me take this weekend to sort through and see if I can um, donate a quarter of my stash or a third of my stash or however much you feel you need to do. Um, much like your wardrobe, if a fabric has sat in a bin for, oh, let's say, two, three years and you haven't used it yet, that might be a good indicator to you that maybe it's time to see if it needs a new home. Now, that being said, I do have fabric in my stash that is many, many years old. Some I don't even know how old it is because I inherited it from my mother. Fabric doesn't have an expiration date on it, obviously, and there's always colors you can use, obviously. But if you fought, bought that fabric you just had to have and you bought it eight years ago and it's still in your stash unused, maybe you need to look at that. All right, enough said. Um, another thing of guilt uh, that a lot of people feel is over the number of their UFOs. And here's another place where maybe you need to do some assessing. And I, I did, I've done episodes on stash and I've done episodes on UFOs years ago. I think I did both of those maybe in my first year, first two years. Um, I know I did one on assessing UFOs and releasing ourselves from the idea that we have to finish every UFO that's stacked up in our sewing room. So if you are feeling guilty about the number of UFOs you have, that might mean it's time to look through them and decide, are there some that you don't need to finish? There are actually people that adore finishing other people's UFOs. They think it's a challenge. They think it's a hoot. It's so much fun. You know, provide them some entertainment. Give them your UFOs. Um, does your guild have a silent auction? Stick them in there. Some people, again, are thrilled to get them. Uh, offer them to create a challenge in your guild about repurposing UFOs. I've heard of guilds that do this, and it always sounded like fun, that people take UFOs that they've decided they don't really care about anymore. They put them in a brown paper bag or something that you can't see through. Everybody trades them, and then everybody has to do something with that UFO, but not necessarily finish it as is. They might chop it up and turn it into a tote bag or a placemat or something else. Maybe you want to offer your guild that kind of a challenge or just get some friends together and swap UFOs or something like that. Um, but not every UFO is necessarily meant to be finished by you. So that's just words of wisdom. I have offed some UFOs in my life that I chose not to finish. Um, and I tend to really only allow myself to feel guilt over those ones that I really do want to finish and they're still unfinished. Um, a lot of people felt guilt over throwing out scraps. There, There's sort of, <laughs> I refer to this, nobody send me any angry emails about this. There's something called this, the tyranny of the scrap quilter. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I think of it anyway. There are people who are so able to do beautiful, beautiful things with the least little tiny bit of fabric um, that, you know, the number of times I've been told, oh, don't throw that out. You could use that. Well, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to use it. I, I know my limits. Um, I do have a decent scrap pile. I do have scraps that I've saved over the years. But chances are, at some point after I do... Charlotte's next mystery quilt and find out what size <laughs> scraps I'm going to need for that. I might call, call them, C-U-L-L, -L, call them, and um, hand them off to Charlotte or to some other scrap quilter or use them as a giveaway or something because I am not 
actually really a scrap quilter myself. I've, <laughs> current evidence notwithstanding. I've done a few scrap quilts this year, um, but it's not really my thing. And so if at some point I decide, you know, I'm kind of done with scraps right now, I will send them on. Um, and yes, I do sometimes throw out scraps because otherwise I would get taken over by fabric that I don't want to find the room to store and or time because I don't want to have to store all this stuff until the next time I might see somebody I can hand it off to um, and guilt. I don't want to force myself to say, oh, I really should be using every last bit of this fabric. Um, now, I don't throw out hunks of fabric. I just throw out pieces that are really smaller than I know I'm probably going to use. Um, again, don't send me angry emails because <laughs> this is the agreement I've come to my with myself after uh, 15 years, how long I've been quilting, I don't know. And I've gone through every permutation of dealing with this issue and I finally a couple of years ago decided I am just going to release myself and periodically throw something out without feeling guilty. Uh, so that's my advice. But again, if you feel guilty about throwing out those scraps, there are all sorts of things you can do with them. You can use them to stuff cat beds or dog beds. You can use them to make um, your pin cushions, not so much because you want like a walnut shell or something in there. But um, and again, you can give them to other people who are scrap quilters. Uh, so that's another guilt to release yourself from that guilt over throwing out scraps. And the fourth theme of guilt that I heard quite a bit was guilt over taking time for yourself for quilting. Uh, let me just say, you need to get over yourself for that one. Now, obviously, if your house is a complete pigsty and you haven't spoken to any members of your family for weeks on end, then maybe it's time to stop sewing and go outside and be sociable and do some housework. But other than that, most of us feel guilty for only taking 10 minutes away when we've already gotten everything done that we needed to get done. Or, you know, yeah, sure, there's a few dishes in the sink, but you know what, they're still going to be there in a few hours right now. I'm going to get some quilting done. So that all I'm going to say is get over yourself. <laughs> you, you are doing wonderful, wonderful things. You are feeding your own soul. You are being creative. You are being productive. You are likely making things that members of your family are going to enjoy, or you are making things that are going to go to someone who really needs it, or you're making something that's going to be a gift, which, by the way, is likely to be representative of a gift from your family that they did not go out and shop for. So, <laughs> so stop feeling guilty. Um, this is wonderful stuff that we're doing. This is wonderful stuff that we're doing. You have no need whatsoever to feel guilty about it. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Okay, so that was the first big theme that I heard was guilt over those variety of things. There was also a second theme that kept coming up over and over and over again. Apparently, we are a somewhat disorganized tribe, we quilters. <laughs> A lot of you talked about your quilted monkeys being wanting to get more organized. Most of that was organized in terms of space, um, you know, cleaning things up, organizing your tools, organizing your stash, organizing your sewing space so that you could be more effective and productive and not spend half of your time looking for stuff. Um, there was also organization of time, and this had some, some overlap with um, feeling guilty about taking time for yourself for quilting, is that there were some of you that felt like if you could only be more organized and figuring out what you needed to do next in your projects, what projects you wanted to tackle, when, that kind of thing, that you could be more effective with your sewing time and get more done in a shorter period of time. 
Um, so that was kind of a, a theme as well. Uh, so organization was kind of a big thing. And, and my tip on this is to um, take it a chunk at a time. You know, as they say on all the home organization shows, do a closet at a time, do a drawer at a time. Um, just put on your task list every day, once a week, 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour, whatever chunk of time that feels manageable to you, feels doable to you without, you know, unnecessarily impeding in a bunch of other stuff you want to get done, and then choose one thing you're going to do. I would suggest, if you are just starting out trying to reorganize something, do the thing that will give you the most bang for your buck and the most satisfaction first. Visually is usually where I start. I try, if I'm starting to feel overwhelmed by the need to clean and reorganize, I will choose what is the one thing that I will visually see the most difference in first with the least amount of effort. It usually tends to be an open shelf or, you know, my closet, not the drawers, but where stuff is hanging or the floor, you know, if stuff's gotten stacked up on the floor or whatever, where will I see the most visual change with the least amount of effort? And that's the first thing I'll do because it gives you that motivation. Every time you walk by it, you're going to think, man, that looks good. I got to do me some more. And it's just, it gives you this kind of inspiration to move on. We tend to start with what's the thing that's, you know, oh, I got to do my whole basement. So I've got to do that first. You know, how long is it going to take you around to get the time to do your whole basement? Instead, you might say, you know, what? I'm going to do that one shelf in the laundry room. And then I'll get that one done. And then next week, I'm going to get that closet done or that storage shelf done or whatever. Chunk it down into pieces. And again, do the one that's going to give you the most bang for your buck first. So you get that initial excitement of success. And then you will see that visual reminder of that success every time you walk by it. And it will keep you inspired to do the rest that you need. That's Sandy's little piece of organizational advice. My other piece of organizational advice, by the way, get a label maker. I label everything. In fact, when we moved into this new house, my kids started making fun of me by sticking labels on all of the doors <laughs> of everybody's bedroom. And one afternoon when they had really gone to town, the dogs had label on them, the kids had labels on them. <laughs> Everything got labeled as until I finally reclaimed my label maker and said, you know, those labels are expensive. Give it back. So I do. I label everything. Um, and I also try to be visually consistent in my labels. You know, I, I, I use my label maker so that everything looks the same when I'm looking at it. Now, I'm, I might be a little compulsive that way, but it just make it it's less visual clutter for me. Um, so that's my other big tip is to, to get yourself a label, label maker. Uh, the third big theme that I overheard in the 2014 Quilty Resolutions was, by the way, guys, I'm not the only person with a craftsy addiction. <laughs> a lot of you talked about craftsy classes that you have owned for a while and haven't gotten done. Um, now, I may be, of course, one of the people with the most classes, although not anymore because I've been making good progress. Um, but certainly a lot of us have that same issue. So, Again, and I talked about this a couple of episodes ago, the, the thing that has helped me the most stay focused on that is actually putting it on my to-do list and not just putting the name of the class, but actually listing out each lesson for whatever class I'm trying to finish and then thinking through ahead of time, what do I have to do? What am I going to have to do in order for me to feel like I've completed this class and list those all as steps in that project 
And then I can go through and I check it off. And and I am big. My sister and I were actually just talking about this when we were having lunch on Sunday. We're very much sisters in this, that um, we like to make our lists, our task lists, and we put things on there we've actually already done in order to scratch them off so that we can feel like we <laughs> accomplished something. Even if it's something I got done two days before I sit down to make the list, well, I got it done, so it's on the list, and then it's scratched off again. Um, yeah, we're, we're big list makers, our family. That's our tribe. <laughs> we are the tribe of task list. Um, but in any case, it, it's just those lists help you stay focused. And then whether it be on your phone like it is with me, um, or whether you make a paper list and you pin it on your bulletin board in your sewing room, or you tape it to the side of your cutting table, or whatever you have to do to keep it visibly in front of you, uh, it's just that reminder, hey, I've got a crafty class I want to sit down and do. And it's more likely that you're going to sit down and actually work your way through those lessons. Um, and again, if you decide ahead of time what it is you're going to have to do, and keep it reasonable, by the way, because some of these classes you could be making 15 different quilt projects. You may have to decide ahead of time, I'm going to consider this class complete if I only do one of them or if I only try one technique. Again, you can refer back to my blog for my own thinking on that. Um, so those were the quilty resolution themes, guys. We, we carry a lot of guilt, we are disorganized, and we have a boatload of craftsy classes. <laughs> That's pretty much what I my takeaway from doing the quilty resolutions. I really, really enjoyed reading everybody's comments. Um, I highlighted a few for me. Oh, I, I have to say I particularly enjoyed Glenna, um, who cheated a little bit, and I was kind of glad she, she ultimately didn't end up winning the giveaway because I might have had to make a judgment call. <laughs> and Glenna, you know why. Um, Glenna basically had one monkey, quilted monkey on her back that she listed three times, and she said, it's because it's a really, really big monkey, and it's my monkey, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> So, so Glenna, points for creativity, even if you didn't really follow the rules. Um, let's see if there's some other ones that... Oh, Erin asked if she could get a bonus entry because she talked about needing to make labels for quilts that she has made but hasn't labeled. And I am, you know, always going off on how people really need to label their quilts. So, Erin, so sure, you got a bonus entry. You didn't win anyway, but, but you can pretend you got a bonus entry. And I have to admit, I've actually slacked off a little bit on the labeling myself, and I need to get back into it. Um, I've resorted to the Sharpie name on the back of the fabric that's probably going to wash out in, you know, three years anyway. Um, let's see, what else can I share here? Daisy W. made a comment that I wanted to, this is the other Daisy, <laughs> as we all refer to her, I think. Um, not very lazy Daisy, the other Daisy. Um, she made a comment about her goals are toward the end of being able to call myself a quilter. And I, I had to, I both kind of laughed and sort of shook my head at the same time over reading that because, again, um, if you've been listening to my uh, podcast from the very beginning, very, very early on, and I don't remember which episode it was, but I talked about that for myself, that it took me a long time for me to actually start calling myself a quilter. I was someone who made quilts. I was not a quilter. And it took me a long time to finally decide, no, you know what? I am a quilter. And I don't know what it exactly it was in my head. And, and I know I kind of had figured that out and I'd talked about it in a previous episode. So go way, way, way back, you know, start at the very beginning. Eventually you'll find it. I don't, 
I don't even know if the show notes would even talk about it. So sorry, can't be more directive than that. Um, but there is something about what is it we need to call ourselves a quilter. So Daisy, I would say, I think you're a quilter. Um, so I think you can, um, you can start calling yourself a quilter. You're legit. You are legit. There are probably, I, I know I've got a bunch of other ones highlighted, maybe in future episodes, I'll kind of come back to some other things I did want to talk about. Unfortunately, we're already at almost an hour and I haven't even done any listener feedback. So I'm, I guess I'm not going to be doing listener feedback again. That's what happens when you wait like three weeks <laughs> to be able to do listener feedback is it, it tends to start piling up in your inbox. Um, and I've gotten some great listener feedback that I do want to talk about. So I think I'm going to hold off on that till the next episode just to pile up some more, you know. And then I'll have to do probably a whole episode just with listener feedback. Although y'all give me great fodder for episodes, so I always appreciate that. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll make that, the, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, I'm glad I'm at least getting an episode out, although whether or not I can get this off of my phone and uploaded to... Um, an episode remains to be seen. We're going to be trying that shortly. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that you all actually get to hear the episode I just recorded. Um, thank you so much. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at, sandy, uh, at gmail.com. Sorry, sandyquilts at gmail.com. Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Flickr, and all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the quilting for the rest of us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do. And do also remember there is a Scrapitude Flickr group and there's also a Disappearing Pinwheel Flickr group. So if you're doing either of those projects, make sure you um, join in that Flickr group as well. And you can um, join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. Um, and you will find links for all of those things, except the other two, well, somewhere on my blog are the links for the Disappearing Nine Patch and the Scrapitude Flickr groups. Um, so you can find all of that on my blog, or on the show notes for this podcast at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. For those of you for whom this is your first episode, really, truly, they're much more polished than this usually. <laughs> Although, yeah, maybe I shouldn't make too many promises in that direction, but at least you'd have the pretty, pretty music at the beginning and the end. <laughs> so I can, I can say that. Until next time, when hopefully I will have podcast recording software again, go get your quilty on. <laughs>